Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 4th of November 2011. For newcomers, I always suggest you make use of the free downloads, the audio downloads at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and uh, if you go over them at your leisure, you'll need a lot of leisure, to, there's hundreds there to choose from. Uh, hopefully you understand the big system that you were born in and that you grew up in and you were conditioned to believe in. And, uh, and how I go through how the conditioning works, some agencies involved, the techniques involved. And I've even gone over some of the big authors who were involved in setting up this kind of system of uh, what you think is reality to make good, obedient citizens. And really that's all government really wants, to be honest with you. And um, you'll find, too, the histories of the organizations, foundations, that are the fronts for the big international banks uh, that uh, have armies of non-governmental organizations which they fund to protest the governments, which then happily receives the, these authorized NGOs and, uh, and do what they want, which is to pass bills on one thing or another. So that's how the system really works. The average citizen has a hard time getting direct access to their main parliament or congress, but not the NGOs. They can lobby them. They're given lots of funding to do so. So uh, a, a, a different system, a parallel government runs this world, as Professor Carl Quigley said. And he should know since he was the historian for the group that did it, that comes from foreign relations. And I go through that too, an awful lot of that stuff, and how it began, what their aims and goals happened to be, never changed, and how we're, we're, we're right on track, really, with uh, the big global agenda, which they planned well over 100 years ago, when they were called different names, these particular associations. So, help yourself. Remember, too, that you can get transcripts for print up as well on all the sites listed at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can get uh, transcripts in other languages if you go into alanwattsentinel.eu and help yourself to the variety offered there. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't uh, bring on big advertisers. I don't have shares in advertisers either and uh, for all the sales. And uh, I don't, I'm not building any kind of big empire here. So it's up to you if you want to support me. You can, this is a real alternate form of news. I have no axe to grind, to be honest with you. And um, you can also, as I say, donate to me by the books and discs I have at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders from your post office. Same price as an ordinary postal order. And uh, you can use PayPal. Some people send cash. And remember, straight donations are really essential now because we're all going down together, you see. Uh, the U.S. and Canada are tied at the hip. And inflation is high, and the prices have always been higher in Canada anyway. But we're really going down now when you see the prices in the stores for basics, very basic stuff like food. And I said that years ago, eventually, that's where all your free spending stuff will go. It'll be gone into spending for basics. That's the whole idea of austerity. You see, post-consumerism is the order of the day from the United Nations, and austerity must be forced upon everyone. Across the rest of the world, remember, you can order as well using PayPal, um, MoneyGram, or Western Union. It's up to yourselves how you want to do it. And again, straight donations 
will certainly be welcome. We live in a, a world so to say, where the conditioning immediately starts off, generally from your parents who have never questioned the system. They vote, they argue with politics, etc. They fall into the trap which is designed for them. And uh, they don't know any better. They don't know to, to tell you what to look out for in this world, who really runs the world, where it's supposed to go, why things are really happening. And, of course, mammals, all young mammals, including humans, expect the parents to warn them of what's dangerous to them. And if you're not warned, you'll take everything for granted and think all things are normal, including uh, even the police in black outfits bashing people up in the streets. You'll think that's quite natural if you're not warned in advance. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix and we've watched uh, this incredible scenario since George Bush was in power of uh, troops from the West going into various countries in the Middle East and attacking them one after another. A little pause between them uh, for for breath, I guess, and on they go on to the next one. And I've mentioned before that the country's being taken down and occupied and um, the, the system's destroyed and uh, plundered two of their oil and wealth and various other things. Uh, are really, it's, they're, they're, they're often called rogue states. So any excuse will do for war, you understand. And you never get the truth until it's long, long gone. And 50 years after that, in fact, that's when the, the Official Secrets Act will allow you maybe to find some truths out. So you can never believe the reasons they go in except what you see, use your common sense too. When you see them uh, basically um, raffling off oil fields to the usual big players that we're so familiar with uh, for free, uh, then you know that it's for plunder. And uh, it's also to stop any other country there, uh, Muslim, Muslim country especially, from gaining any high standard of, of not just living but power, you see. They don't like, they want to share power. Of, and they're also about uh, balance of power. And really what they mean is they want no opposition to the power that they have in the West, and, and, of course, they've got one country in the Middle East that they, they support, and it's always been that way, always will be. But we also know, too, that we're going down the hill financing all these wars and uh, financing the banks that plundered everyone on cue. On, on, isn't it amazing? I mean, here, two years before austerity was heard of, uh, to, by the masses, that is, the UN was talking about it, all the big NGOs were talking about, we must bring in austerity measures in and, and, and a post-consumerist society. They churned out masses of stuff on this, and their problem was, how do you make the people austere, you see, and, and accept it? Well, you're being trained now to accept it as prices go up and up and up. And as I said before, eventually uh, the money that you used to have extra to spend on things in consumerism uh, will go to essentials. And you're seeing that now with the prices even of food in places like Canada. The stuff that they call food now in these grocery stores that, that uh, came in, these massive grocery stores that knocked all the private ones, out, small ones, out of business. That's their intention too. That's a, like a military tactic. And believe you me, business is war. Uh, the ones who are at the top who, who see, uh, who run businesses, big businesses, business is war. And, uh, and of course, you are always the target of the war. But what we also see, too, is what they call failed states. Now, a failed state, according to the United Nations, is a state 
that, that this democracy breaks down, if it ever had it, and uh, it breaks down through economic reasons or corruption or whatever. All this stuff we have in all our countries, you know, corruption at the top and all that stuff, and banks plundering you and being rewarded for it. But here's an odd thing here. It's about an exercise, a military exercise in Canada and Ontario, Peterborough, and Peterborough, Ontario, next week. And this is military training in city next week. Peterborough will play the role of a failed state for a military exercise that runs from Tuesday until November the 9th, the Department of National Defense announced on a release Friday. The exercise will deal with the military evacuating uh, Canadian non-combatants from a failed state. Does that mean there'll be Canadian combatants? Why else would they say Canadian non-combatants from a failed state? Most of the exercise will take place near Lansdowne Street and Ashburnham Drive. The public should be aware that military personnel will be in uniform during the exercise. The Department of National Defence states the 1st Canadian Division headquarters that's based in Kingston, Ontario, issued the release. So this could be... So they're also doing these things for things at home, obviously, because, you see, uh, all our manufacturing was given to China a long time, years ago, by our own prime ministers and, and, and high bureaucrats signing all these deals, signing it all away, knowing what was going to happen, and uh, nothing was coming in to replace it. You only start, you only set up so many businesses to import stuff from China, and even then it's mainly people from China who come over to start those businesses because then they're bilingual. Um, so there's only so many, many it can support for those too. Uh, a service economy is guaranteed to fail. Uh, years ago in the 80s when they talked about bringing in a service economy to Britain, uh, it was already plundered with GST and, and well, value-added tax, they called it there. They, they decimalized the currency about the same time as well. Totally confused everyone as they jacked all the prices up. And they had the same kind of problem there. And they said at the time that it's like throwing a dog in a swimming pool it can only paddle uh, when it's got the strength. When it's more strength, it can't climb out the pool, and it drowns. And that's really the definition of a service economy. It's guaranteed that we all go down eventually. And they knew this too. They, never, they haven't replaced all the manufacturing jobs. that have made no attempt to replace manufacturing jobs in the States or in Canada. And uh, they've written off a whole workforce People who don't like to go into academia and, and fiddle around there with shirts and ties and pens and, and all that stuff. People who are very efficient at what they did and they would put up with hardships and, and working conditions that most folk would never put up with. But they could do it and they got a, a good enough wage that they would, they would stay at those particular jobs and we produce good materials from Canada, uh, from the factories and the States. So failed states are coming, folks, because we can't even pay our debts off. And all debts are paid off by your tax money anyway, and there's only so much tax money they can take from you before you can't feed yourself. And yet there's been nothing said to the general public about how we're going to get out to the mess we're in. We're still, by the way, borrowing millions and billions to give off to other countries and billions. We're still borrowing to give while we're broke at home. So this is an agenda to bring us all down. See, the West is supposed to all come down to, to, to maybe a second level of standard of living, not a, 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 a third world, but perhaps maybe a second world in between for those who've got the cash to pay for hospital care and stuff like that. But uh, it's definitely coming down, and that's definitely on the card. So here they are practicing for failed states in Canada using the military on Canadians. 
quite interesting what's really happening and it gets very little mention uh, anywhere. Now, unable to pay bill, Michigan City turns off lights. It says that unable to pay a $4 million electric bill, Michigan City turns off and removes many streetlights. In Highland Park, Michigan, that was, a, that was a, the kind of classy area at one time. As the sun dips below the rooftops each evening, parts of Detroit's enclave turn to pitch black, the only illumination coming from a few streetlights at the end of the block from glowing yellow yard globes. It wasn't always this way, but when the debt-written community could no longer afford its monthly electric bill, electric officials not only turned off 1,000 streetlights, they had them ripped out bulbs, poles and all. Now nightfall cloaks most neighbourhoods in inky darkness. It says, how can you darken any city? Asked Victoria Dowell. Dowdle, uh, standing in the halo of a light in her front yard. I think this was a, dis- a disgrace, she said, in the decision. Uh, the decision endangers everyone, especially people who have to walk around at night or catch the bus. So uh, it's, this is heading all over, but it's, it's generally kept fairly quiet just below uh, some of the mainstream uh, national papers. But I'll put these links up tonight. Remember, all the, all the articles, the topics I mentioned, I put the links up at the end of the night. Now, We've got to remember, uh, for those, for the few, and it's unfortunate, a few who have studied history to do with uh, political movements, uh, communism, uh, the tenets of communism, the way they were supposed to go, how they would do it. Part of it was to destroy the family unit and then destroy all permanent bonding between male and female. That was imperative. Promiscuity was to get promoted massively. It's, it's all been accomplished in the West. And... Um, and you, you, parents don't even know anymore what's right and wrong because, see, they were corrupted generation by generation with more sex on TV and all the rest of it. Everything's cool. And uh, here's her children today. This article is from Toronto News. Do you know what your children did last summer? It says kids here, but kids are really young goats, so I don't want to dehumanize them, which also, by the way, was what the communists said in the early 1920s. They'll use terminology for the West to pick up that dehumanizes their own species, and kids was one of them. Anyway, children were rewarded at a Markham Day, uh, rewarded at Markham Day camp last summer for such things as pole dancing, a day camp, right, taking off their clothes and sucking a counselor's toe. The star has learned. I don't know what else they did. One Markham mother, whose name's been withheld to protect the identity of her children, said she knew something was wrong when her 12-year-old daughter and her friend were tight-lipped after she asked about their third day at the town of Markham operated Camp Chimo. They just looked at each other and said, we can't, we can't tell you. And it says, when she asked them why not, the girls who were enrolled in the first two-week session of the Voyageurs program for 12- to 14-year-olds told their counsel- that their counsellors had said not to tell their parents what they'd done that day. And it goes on to say, And then I said, well, you have to tell me. And the girl said they'd played a game called What Would You Do for an Ice Cream Bar, where campers were split into, into groups and were rewarded with treats for completing various tasks. First, her daughter told her she'd licked the inside of a porta potty wall. Isn't that wonderful? The counsellor said, if you can do that, you can air an ice cream bar. She said her daughter told her. The mother said she tried not to overreact. She told her daughter she could have gotten sick. But then the story continued. Her daughter said they'd also rubbed ash from a campfire in her face and washed it off in the muddy river running through the Milne Dam Conservation Park where the camp was being held off McCowan Road. And then she said a girl laid down. She pulled up her top. 
I spit in her belly button and someone else drank it, the mother said, so they were doing body shots with spits. Her daughter told other children did worse for an ice cream snack, pole dancing without pants on and running around the outdoor camp with her shorts on their heads. This would be a subsidized by the taxpayer camp, by the way, you know, with a, a license to operate. One girl sucked a toe of a male counsellor, hired to work with special needs campers. She said, when a male adult counsellor asks a 12-year-old girl to suck on his toe and I'll give you an ice cream bar, that's sick, the mother said. She actually, she actually, thank goodness some of them can actually recognise that's still sick. Markham Mayor uh, Frank Scarpitti confirmed the game took place at the camp on July 6 and involved 38 campers. The dares, the challenges came from the campers themselves, he said. What was really unfortunate about this incident is that the dares were actually allowed to proceed. So the children know how to, to, to pole dance at 12 and stuff. Well, I guess they watch it on music television. Back with more after this break. Folks, we're back, coming in through the matrix, and you, you have to understand that culture is a very important thing, because culture gives you some kind of peace of mind and uh, a lot of heart. It saves you a lot of heartache down the future if you if you keep a kind of culture that's got straight strict morals. Not a lot of them, because you all know what they have to be to get a, a quiet society. But everyone knows the basic rules. In fact, at one time, you didn't need all these cops and regulators and civil servants to tell you what the rules were. You had, you had just a few rules, and it worked out very well that way. But, of course, they had to get in under the scientific socialism and restructure everything and make everything fair, they call it fair. Fair actually means destruction of the, of the culture that had survived up until then. And it says here, back in the 80s, a string of labor-run town halls were notorious for their extremism, mismanagement, and financial extravagance, justly known as the loony left. Uh, These authorities were epitomized by Ken Livingston's spendthrift and dogmatic regime at the Greater London Council. Their excesses were supposed to have ended with the rise of new labor. But as Jerry Adams once famously said of the IRA, the ideological extremists never went away. They merely transferred their activities from the urban municipalities to the heart of government. And it goes on to this. It says, alarming. The Human Rights Commission has warned that it may be illegal for any school in Britain to require girls to wear skirts as part of their uniform, since this could discriminate against transsexual pupils. So here you are again. For this, apparently it's the most important thing in the world is falling apart with, with, uh, we're all broke and, uh, there's wars going on everywhere and everywhere, and, everywhere. Uh, and there's no work coming in for peoples and there's more taxes and we're going into austerity. But no, see, see, you gotta make sure the transsexuals, this tiny, tiny group, you know, that one time was treated elsewhere for other things, uh, get what they want. So you have to rearrange the whole country to suit them. Yeah? Big agenda here, eh? Thanks to 13 years of labor rule, uh, lunatic, lunatic leftism has now has more influence than ever. Its politically correct uh, zealotry flourishes throughout the public sector and the quangos. Its fixations with race and gender are written into law. Its obsession with social engineering is transforming the fabric of Britain, destroying traditional, unifying bonds such as family life and nationhood. Well, they've completely destroyed it. The fanaticism of the left was recently exposed in guidance issued by the Quality and Human Rights Commission for Public Bodies on how to treat transgender people, including transvestites and those undergoing a change of sex. 
In one startling page in the 68-page document, the Commission warned it may be illegal for any school to require girls to wear skirts as part of their uniform, since this could discriminate against transsexual pupils. Such an edict would be laughable were it not so indicative of the disturbing mindset of the equality bureaucrats who wield such control over our lives. And it goes on and on. But it's more than just that. You know, I see such actions highlighting three of the most dangerous traits of the left-wing doctrines. One is the remorseless focus on categorizing individuals by race, gender, sexual orientation or class, and then placing them within hierarchies of victimhood according to the perceived disadvantage they have suffered. Another is the sexual, sexualization of children in which the innocence of youth is destroyed by the aggressive promotion of the so-called sexual rights agenda. Well, now you've got 12-year-olds going to day camp and uh, doing pole uh, dancing and sucking people's toes and a lot of other things, I'm sure, too, went on at that camp. Because they're, they're anything but naive now. They watch all the stuff on TV. They've got all on the Internet for them. There's lots of porn on the Internet. And uh, they just emulate what they see. The third is the eagerness to obliterate all traditional morality by presenting support for normal married family life as outmoded and discriminatory. While warning that, uh, that requiring girls to wear skirts is potentially unlawful, the Quality Commission document highlights as an example of good practice the real-life case of a young trans person, a trans person, I thought it's the only one on the move, born female attending a mixed-sex primary school. On the advice of a gender identity clinic in London and the local lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender youth service, <laughs> the school transformed its procedures to accommodate this one child who had been identified as transgender by a psychologist. The changes included a gender-neutral uniform, whatever that might be, and a new system of lining up for class by mixed-sex group labelled using basic shapes such as triangles, circles and rectangles rather than by gender. So the whole school, etc. No doubt the whole county has to change its ways because of one person. Huh? Huh? Really? But this stuff is promoted by all the teachers. All the teachers out there. And you have to go through the, Dewey, the John Dewey stuff and all the other... Uh, the great exposés of writers in the past who went through the whole communist regime and by God it's all here. You must destroy all that was that made society stand up and fight against you if you want to conquer them uh, by demoralizing them and in every way debasing them until they're so debased they don't know they're debased. They think it's normal. They've then been conquered, you see. Now, just to follow this up, it's so politically correct now, you see, Unisex, to- unisex toilets are to tackle bullies in schools. Unisex lavatories with blurred glass walls could help in the battle against school bullies, government guidelines for England suggest. The recommendations for new secondary schools also include putting toilet blocks close to staff rooms or offices for subtle supervision, so you get watched while you piddle as well. If the idea were, the ideas are taken up, urinals would be a thing of the past. We can remove all the urinals for the guys, and privacy would be protected, making unisex toilets. Campaigners say crumbling facilities damage people's health and well-being. Oh, it's something to do with this. They say school toilets are recognized as being a trouble spot for bullying, with some children avoiding going, possibly leading to continence problems. And then you, you scroll down, and what is it? It's for the bisexuals and trans, transgenders and all the rest of it. You know, guys walking in, guys' toilets wearing girls' stuff and stuff, stuff like that. That's what's happening. So we'll change the whole toilet system, unisex only. Anything can go, eh? End of society, folks. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the Matrix. I'll also put a link up tonight to do with uh, Detroit. It's getting bad things, all bad all over really. And uh, the drivers now of buses are terrified to go downtown. And they're refusing to drive their buses on, I think, Friday. I don't know if it's a one-day stop or what it is. But, uh, but apparently their drivers are getting attacked now. And uh, they're, they're scared to drive. This is, society and civilization is breaking down the more you understand what's happening. And there'll be a lot more of it as, as it go in a roll with austerity too, believe you me. And then, then you've always said, you know, why, why do people who are simply wealthy, and, and they're front men too, the, the, the guys that they put up to the top as great geniuses, you know, that start off in garages or pick up rags and sell them to ragmen and just, you know, spend their money thriftily and all that kind of stuff, end up telling governments what to do. And we have to go along with them. Of course, we'll be paying for everything. I mean, Bill Gates, you know, he's a front man, of course. You don't get to the top in anything unless the big society at the top pulls you up. It says, founder Bill Gates has spoken to the BBC about asking the G20 to stop, to step up development efforts to ease poverty and his backing of a tax on financial transactions. He wants to, as all to pay, each thing you get cash a check or, or use your, your card for anything, uh, you're paying pay so much to, to the to the I think it's the United Nations he wants it to go to or one of the big world banks. So says Mr. Gates is to submit a report to the G20 groups of advanced and emerging economies, a two day summit in Cannes. Well just because so there you go. There's your there's your democracy in action, eh? Because you're stinking rich, uh, you'll be listened to, right? Uh, uh, but if you're uh, someone who's a genius uh, and poor, uh, you won't get anywhere near them. They'll just kick you, you know, down the, down the, the banking, <laughs> maybe even drown you. Who knows? But that's how it works. So they put all these famous guys to come forth with these ideas, and we have to do all the paying, not him. We have to, this has got multi multi billionaire bits. We have to do all the paying and, and lending, uh, actually giving money to countries. Uh, you know, and we have to borrow the money in the first place to, to give it to them. It's, it's just disgusting, this, this, this ring that they go around in cash from borrowing to governments, to governments handing it out across the world and then taxing us as a guarantors to pay off the loans of, of the borrowing in the first place. Anyway, he told the BBC's George Allegia the steps have to be taken to restore confidence that governments will pay their debts. Really? 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 Governments are going to pay their debts. This is the ordinary people they're going to tax here. The big boys don't, but won't be using their little credit cards, believe you me, to pay anything at all. And then uh, Gillard, this uh, Welsh woman, I think she's Welsh, that they put into Australia uh, to be the Prime Minister, the Fabianist, Fabian Society member, officially. Um, she's been given the spotlight, obviously, with the carbon taxes and to, to get this going across the whole world, obviously. Obviously, that's how it's done. Uh, they pick a member and give them lots and lots of press. Otherwise, they'd have nothing to, important to say. Gillard intervenes to get the G20 into action. She says she's received strong backing from G20 leaders for bolstering resources of the International Monetary Fund to shore up the uncertain global economy. All of this crisis that was created, by the way, was to bring in um, the second part of Bretton Woods uh, too. And that's what, Arthur, uh, that's what Maynard Keynes 
talked about. He says he would not see the part two in his lifetime. They would come down the road. Well, this is it now. And they've got the excuse, you see, to rise the IMF to what he called its proper position as a global authority. And it really will be doing the bookkeeping for every nation across the planet, starting with the EU, all EU countries. And that's where it is starting too, of course. Everything. Ha- so there you go. They're right on schedule with it. He said it might take 50 years. He was pretty well dead on. So Ms. Gillard told the first day of summit in the French resort city of Cannes that the world is closely watching the deliberations and markets were demanding concrete action on dealing with the sovereign debt crisis and eurozone instability. So the IMF is to be given the power in the Bank for International, for international Settlements as the big bank that Carl Quigley said will be at the very, very pinnacle with the IMF beneath it, with the World Bank. They wrote, he wrote that in the 1960s because he was at all their meetings. And if they can't get countries to agree with things, they simply bankrupt you and make it happen. That's how they do it. Get their way. Quite simple. In Ireland, too, the, the, the government overnight, just uh, without any debate whatsoever, just banned the sale of raw farm milk, uh, which is incredible because it was the greatest milk in the world. It was. And so was their beef, mind you. Uh, great beef there, too. But uh, everything was dairy there. Dairy, dairy, dairy. It says, um, the total ban on raw milk sales might even be taking effect. As you read this, what's amazing here isn't just the 180-degree turn on raw milk from complete freedom to complete ban. It's the fact that Ireland is actually living, breathing proof that. And it gives you the full article, which I'll put up as a link at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the broadcast. And... Everyone's heard about these new streetlights. They've already put them in some places, some places for a long time, actually, without telling you, uh, that have microphones in them, have got cameras in them, and the cameras can actually move as you move and, and follow you and track you. Uh, and, and incredible boom microphones with, uh, with um, uh, tremendous quality speak, uh, systems in them so they can pick up even whispers. But they had that, you know, even the cameras uh, throughout England uh, over the years, they never told the public for years they had these little tiny condenser boom microphones could pick up your you whispering or chanting someone in a shop doorway 200 yards away. You're the last to know what's going on. So tracked and traced and all the rest by your street lamps as well. So it's not a bright idea, eh? And also, um, <laughs> it's astonishing about. Last year, maybe I think a year ago, uh, maybe two years, the big scandal came out of New Jersey to do with them trafficking in um, human organs and sometimes the complete bodies. Um, and it's to do with Israel. And at that time, Israel wanted, uh, or people in, in uh, New York wanted uh, Semitic uh, kidneys, hearts, and so on. So they'd, you know, get them from them and import them. And it's really a man, this is the latest story, who brokered, back, uh, brokered uh, black market sales of human kidneys in the U.S., arranged transplant surgeries at medical centers, including John Hopkins Hospital. Why go for the little dirty ones, eh? Why get the good clean ones? In Baltimore, according to five people familiar with the case, uh, Levi Isaac Rosenbaum, 60, pleaded guilty yesterday to three counts of organ trafficking and one count of conspiracy becoming the first person convicted in the U.S. of organ trafficking. A 1984 U.S. law bans the sale of human organs. He said in federal court in Trenton, New Jersey, that the three ailing people paid him a total 
uh, $410,000 to arrange the sale of kidneys from healthy donors and an undercover FBI agent paid him $10,000. Rosenbaum, who lives in the Borough Park neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York, was arrested in July 2009, cracked down by the Federal Bureau of Investigation on money laundering and political corruption in New Jersey. After yesterday's hearing, Rosenbaum's lawyers depicted him as a lifesaver. Oh, that's how they do it, eh? That's New York for you, eh? Oh, he was actually helping the people. He's a lifesaver, yeah. The transplant surgeries occurred in prestigious American hospitals performed by experienced and expert kidney transplant surgeons. Uh, what he was doing was, was buying them for about $10,000 a kidney each and selling them for up to, uh, up to uh, 100000 even higher to someone who went for 400000 So, uh, he was, and he was buying masses of land too, all over the place and big houses, etc. You know, the, the American dream. <laughs> But uh, this is one article, and I'll put two up on this, two links that fits one complements the other and fills in the rest. And then two, Khomeini, remember the old Khomeini? Uh, he accuses the U.S. of terror attacks in Iran. And it says, uh, Iran Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khomeini said on Wednesday he had 100 undeniable documents proving the United States had been behind terrorist attacks in Islamic State and elsewhere in the Middle East. His comments come after Washington accused Iran of being involved in a plot to kill Saudi Arabia's ambassador to Washington, a claim Iran has dismissed as baseless. And even the, the CFR poo-pooed that initially too until their bosses told them to, you know, be positive on this. He says, we have undeniable documents which show America was behind the curtain of terror in Iran and the region, Khomeini said during a, com- a commemoration of the 1979 storming of the U.S. embassy in Tehran by revolutionary students. Presenting those 100 documents, we will disgrace American world. He did not say when he would produce the documents and to whom. That's if he can get anybody in the West to publish them. And, you know, there's a saying that, that anyone who comes to America can make it, they can make it good, you see. And it's true. It's, if you work hard enough, uh, you'll make it good in America. And this article here is with convicted serial killer Kimbo is now a children's author selling his book from prison under a, a female, a female name. So he's a special person now. He's, he's, he's trans something, you know. Under a pseudonym, serial killer, killer Charles Kimbo has written a children's book that is being offered for sale on Amazon.co. The 372-page book, The Trinity of Super Kids, Book One, Quest for Water. He's a good psychopath because he's got all, all, all this, he knows where, where the world's getting pushed. And he sniffs right, hones right on in the winter, you see. Yeah, global warming, cons- conservation, all that stuff. Quest for Water was launched in March 2010. According to an interview, Campbell, posing as a female writer named Jai D. Bauer, that's the old Rothschild name, gave to a Vancouver writer working for an online information magazine site. And it says um, that, uh, it says, uh, in, in the online interview at suite101.co, Campbell's asking why he has been described as reclusive. <laughs> He's in prison, right? I declined interviews, he said. Why, why, avo- why avoid media? My family has been a subject of extortion for a number of years. Lately, I have received threats on my life from some fanatical groups. And then he pulled his profile off a uh, photo online for safety reasons, but he's got up mother ones too, just to, to contradict himself. He was born in Malawi and came to Canada in December 1989, claimed in the interview that he was born in Toronto. He claimed that his book, uh, the proceeds of which he planned to give to an international charity aimed at ending world hunger, had sold 14,000 copies in the first two weeks. See, it's politically correct. 
and uh, and that it had been optioned for a, a movie by an American studio. Asked by Burton Shaw what he hoped his readers would take from the novel, which is to be a series, Kembo replied, that was an honest appeal to the best instincts of youth. You should know that because he killed a few of them, and you should see what he did do, actually, and uh, quite the character. But uh, it just goes to show you, you know, you can come to, yeah, you can make it, you can make it anywhere, you see. And uh, that's that's just like one of these good stories for lifts your spirits. And I should actually go to the callers now, and I think there's two on the line. Uh, there is, okay, Carlton from New York hanging on there. Are you, are you there, Carlton? How you doing, Mr. White? I am not bad. Yeah, not bad. Oh. Um, for one, I'm going to let you know I'm about to send you something tomorrow for your second book. Mm-hmm. So you should be on the lookout for that, I guess, next week or sometime. Yeah. But, um, and I would encourage everybody listening to do the same as well. But, um, you was actually talking about the selling and, and, and things of kidneys and, and organs and things of that nature. And I'm actually, I actually work at a dialysis center. So I see, you know what I'm saying, the effects of kidney disease firsthand every day, every single day. But it's just, to me, it's a shame how, these people got to sit on this machine, man, for like three, four hours. And they have the abilities to actually give people, but of course there's no money in curing people. No. So they got to go through all of this craziness, man. And my mother's on dialysis. Yeah. So I see how that works all the time. But it's, they actually put me in, in mind of a movie that I saw, right? You probably might have heard of it. It was called Repo Man. Where That's right, yeah. Was, you've yeah. heard of it? You Yeah, I it? saw that one, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> crazy, but I can see that happening because they were yeah. on a lower scale now. They're starting to cut back on the Medicaid and the Medicaid. Like, they was making announcements in here today saying that Everybody's Medicaid and Medicaid is changing and they may not cover their transportation mm-hmm. and all this stuff like they they the powers that be is doing people real, real dirty right now. <laughs> I, I know I've talked to a lot of folk in, in uh, different hospitals in the US and they tell me how they've been cutting back for years actually uh, and they've really speeded up the process and some of the, the I've got transplant surgeons that talk to me there's no shortage by the way of, of organs inside America these are organs they wanted Semitic organs shipped, shipped in from Israel <laughs> but uh, there's no shortage of them inside America and he said sadly uh, almost every case where he goes and harvests the organs uh, right now is from teenagers male and female who have either shot themselves in the head at, uh, and or, or uh, they're hit and runs now. A big spate of hit and runs in in San Francisco area right now. Young people, and uh, and he meets all the other harvesters because they all get these jet planes and fly all over the place and meet them all. He takes heart and lungs, and he says, it's tr- he says there's no shortage of uh, organs within the United States itself. Yeah. And then the even crazier part about it, you know what they're pushing on them now? Yeah. Flu vaccine. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> and you already know who, who, who is the worst case or worst folks that should get yes. vaccine. Vaccines. People with already compromised immune systems and babies and old folks. Yep. 
And, yeah. like, they pushing it on them, pushing on them. But I've asked many of the texts and even some of the administrators in here, and they're not even taking the goddamn flu shot. No, they're not. In fact, there's doctors, there's doctors actually getting other doctors to sign on that they've actually given the other one the shot. They don't trust them at all. Yeah, I know. And I've even talked to the doctor in here about that whole situation. He's actually came out and said to me that, yes, we know that the medical industry is yet all about the bottom line, but if, if you know, that everybody just gives you that, what can you do? It's the system thing. Yep. And that that's the one thing that's really started to piss me off now is everybody's apathy, because apathy is going to be the death of us. Apathy is on the card. Bertrand Russell said towards the end, of creating the completely dysfunctional society, we shall introduce apathy, he said. And this was designed a long time ago, this part of the system, by experts. And this is what we're experiencing, as you say, is apathy. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I see it, like, totally now, totally. Another thing in the, in the U.S. hospitals, what they're telling me, too, about the staff, is that they're, they're becoming filthy, that they've cut back so much on cleaning staff, and... Uh, and uh, a lot of the hospitals now they go into are actually filthy. Yeah. yeah. And I just—it's crazy. Just they make just in this little dialysis center that I work in, it's about five thousand dollars per patient yeah. per treatment, and it's about yeah. four shifts a day, different mm-hmm. different shifts. I mean, different people these days, and um, about twenty twenty five people a shift. And you're mm-hmm. telling me you, you're not making enough money? That's crazy. It's, it's the greediest, life is the greediest system that they have out there. Anything to do with life, keeping life, saving life is the most greedy, greediest, uh, foulest system out there. Or, or 17 and a half grand for 10, 10 days or 9 days in a hospital is utterly disgusting, you know. Yeah, you're quite right. You're quite right. But I hear your commercial coming through. I'll yep. apologize. Like I said, I'm sending you some money, so look for it. Look out for it. I will do. Thanks. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watch. We're cutting through the Matrix and... There's Pat's hanging on the line from London, if, if you're still, still there. Yeah, hi, uh, Alan. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can, yeah. Yeah, sure. I just, uh, just wanted to... I was hearing you earlier on in one of the other um, networks earlier on today, which is interesting, talking about the, the monarchy and, and things like that in uh, Europe, I think. Um, uh, we really are in, in, in perilous times here at the moment. And um, just thinking about the monarchy... Um, I joined uh, that discussion a bit late, and uh, I couldn't get on easily. And uh, but it's interesting that uh, I, I, have you ever come across a, a website called eutruth.org? I don't think so. No. It's amazing. It goes into all sorts of things, Frankfurt subversion and whatever. What's happened in the uh, the Queen? And it says it's interesting enough. Did you know that um, that apparently Queen Elizabeth's political and constitutional tutor was Sir Henry Martin, a Fabian yeah. communist. Yeah, that that's she right. was seems to be. Yeah. Well trained for surrendering our sovereignty without, you know, she's meant to act as a final check and balance. And, mm-hmm. you know, her coronation oath she made with the King James Bible in her hand. And, you know, she's, she's signed all these treaties making us subject to a foreign power, you know, clearly against the will of the people. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, um, and it's interesting that, that, uh, 
you know, every time one of these treaties comes along, Buckingham Palace is inundated with, with, with mail saying, please don't sign it before she was, uh, um, you know, before it's been put to a referendum of the people. But interesting enough, that it says here that Prince Charles or William or Harry can never be king because you cannot have a king without a kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, they can only be princes of a region or principality within Europe. And we've, been, we've just been made into a principality of Europe now. We, we, you know, the right. Lisbon Treaty abolished whatever sovereignty. They're carrying on this charade of this puppet thing in London that, that they've got power there. But we haven't. We've no. given it all away, haven't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the Queen's all for this, you know. But they've got some strange deal hammered out where she still has authority. I don't know where it's written down, but she's, still, she's not worried, obviously, you know. Well, she does. She easily could have said no to all the treaties because she has the constitutional power in the same way that she, her, her governor general in Australia sacked the government of Gough Whitlam That's right. in 1975. And there was no choice because it, it was an ill-formed government and it couldn't pass legislation. But, yeah, it's disappointing, really, because you know, I, I personally am a firm believer in the principle of the monarchy. You know, if you look in the Bible, the King James Bible, some of Israel's kings was as wicked as men could ever get. But it didn't yeah. stop the principle of the monarchy being founded by, by God in the same way. I mean, I, mean, I and others hold to the British Israelite teaching that the, the Caucasian people of the world are descended from the Israelites, which is, in, which is in the Scottish Declaration of Independence. It mentions that, or it alludes to that, Robert the Bruce and all that. But interestingly enough, people talk about the royal family being blue-blooded and German and all whatever. Yes, it's true. King George I was German-speaking, but he was descended from King James VI of Scotland through Sophia, who married Ernest um, Augustus, Duke of Brunswick. And also, if you look at the, the House of Hanover, it is a Caucasian Anglo-Saxon monarchy. You, you also find Henry II Plantagenet, so you find English and Scottish queens in the House of Germany. So is it really German? So there's several issues here. Well, actually, it's probably more German than anything, because I think that even the House of Windsor was changed in World War I, because of the German name that they used prior to that. And it didn't go too well when we were fighting the Germans, so they changed it to the House of Winder, Windsor. And, and so, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. But regardless, I mean, Britain's been sold out from the top down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's, you know she, she's signed all these treaties, and yeah. she hasn't thought anything about us. And she easily could have insisted on a referendum and putting it, you know... No, I tell you, I tell you, nobody's going to even get the chance of any referendum. This is a must-be plan, planned a long time ago, and all, all the elite are on board with it for this world system because they don't want to rule or at least own a good chunk of it, that's why. But thanks for calling. And from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. Remember, donate, buy the books, because... As I say, I don't uh, go out to build an empire, but I do need a few pennies trickling in here, and I'd really appreciate them. Thank you. See you Monday.